Today, the coronavirus and our schools with differing views from federal leaders and our state superintendent. Today, our D.C. Bureau goes one-on-one -on -one with President Donald Trump and Dr. Deborah Burks from the Coronavirus Task Force, plus Senator Mike Braun and State Representative Robin Shackelford on the debate over justice reform and Bloomington Mayor John Hamilton on the troubling incident here in Indiana that's making news around the country. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. A lot to get to today, but we start with the latest from your local election headquarters on the Republican nomination for attorney general. Curtis Hill will not be on the ballot this fall after facing groping allegations and a suspension of his law license. Indiana Republicans have instead nominated former Congressman Todd Rokita. Rokita will face Democratic nominee Jonathan Weinzapfel, the former Evansville mayor who won his party's nomination for AG last month. We'll talk with our panel about the party's decision to essentially oust Curtis Hill and what that means in the race for AG coming up later this morning. Today we're also following the latest on the state's coronavirus response with numbers still on the rise in recent days. It's why Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogsett has now made face masks mandatory in public. Aaron Cantrell has the latest. And city officials know not everyone will be happy about this mandate, but they say in order for us to keep reopening the state, this is our best defense. I understand people might have a, uh, a disagreement about whether they feel comfortable wearing a mask or not. I think that Marion County is doing an excellent job of protecting itself. Schools are going to be starting. We may have increased travel from visitors from outside the state. This is a necessary intervention. As other states take steps back in reopening, Indiana is slowing things down but still moving forward. When you look across the country, there are over 38 states that are showing a significantly increased cases. Places like Texas over 10,000 cases in one day. With this additional step of precaution, with our hand washing and our social distancing, we can make a huge difference in keeping our residents safe. Aaron Cantrell reporting. Aaron, thanks. There's also a lot of talk about what will happen with our schools this fall. This week, some lawmakers like Indiana Congressman Jim Banks echoing the president's call for schools to lose funding if they don't open up in the fall. Open our schools. Stop this nonsense. It's not a matter of if schools should reopen. It's simply a matter of how. Well, we have a long time to think about the school stuff. The parents don't know what to do and they have a job and now they're all starting to go back to work. So we want to see the schools open. The president there in a one-on-one -on -one interview with our Washington Bureau. On Twitter, State Superintendent Jennifer McCormick said with the recent COVID data, more conversations and adjustments to the plan are expected. She also said schools cannot and should not be bullied from D.C. into ignoring safety concerns. Not helpful, in her words. Meantime, Congressman Jim Banks authoring legislation that could cut off funding for schools that don't reopen. In an op-ed, he said keeping schools closed hurts working families. And if parents can't return to work, he says there will be sweeping economic repercussions in our state. Our Trevor Shirley spoke with Dr. Deborah Burks from the Coronavirus Task Force. It is confusing for parents and school administrators. But Dr. Deborah Burks hopes new guidelines from the CDC will ease some of that confusion. So there's a lot of factors that have to come in. The CDC's decision to put out new guidelines comes just days after President Trump complained about the CDC's original plans. 
Well, I think the CDC guidance is very clear. What we're trying to really meld that with is, is understanding and, and showing where the public health tripwires are. Burke said it's important for school districts to make decisions based on where the virus is spreading. Cities and counties and states all are experiencing COVID differently. But earlier this week, President Trump made no such distinction. So we're very much going to put pressure on uh, governors and everybody else to open the schools. And Dr. Burke said it's important for every school district to have a plan in place for what to do when a student or staff member tests positive for COVID-19. They need to know what they're going to do when they find one case, when they find five cases. She said more than 47 states already have county level plans in place to get kids back to school and expects those new CDC guidelines to come out soon. To really provide a roadmap both for parents, educators and school administrators. The president threatened to cut off money for schools that don't open up, but the White House has not said what specific funding that would be. Reporting at the White House, I'm Trevor Shirley. Trevor, thanks. Meantime, as you saw a moment ago, the president also spoke with our Washington Bureau about a number of other topics, including another stimulus check and the latest in the fight for racial justice and equality. Here's Washington correspondent Jesse Turner. Can Americans expect more stimulus checks from you? The answer is yes. We're working on it right now with Congress. President Trump told me in a one-on-one -on -one interview that more direct payments are on the way, but could not say how much. House Democrats have already approved a bill with another $1,200, but the president said he wants to aim higher. I want more than other people's want, people want to do, but uh, it'll be significant numbers, great for the people of our country. A priority in the next and likely final round of coronavirus relief, President Trump said is not up for negotiation, is a tax cut. The president is insisting on a payroll tax cut that would make paychecks larger, but reduce funding for government programs like Social Security and Medicare. You would veto something if it didn't include a payroll tax if cut? If it didn't include what we think we need for the economy and for jobs, I would absolutely veto it, yes. President Trump also told me when it comes to his stance on the Confederate flag, he relies on the First Amendment. It's freedom of speech. You do what you do. Even though President Trump has suggested with tweets that NASCAR made a mistake in banning the flag. Well, I don't think they were critical. I was just talking about the fact that uh, NASCAR chose to go a certain way, and that's going to be up to them. That is up to them. Uh, I'm very friendly with NASCAR. I know the people there. I know drivers. I know a lot of them. Uh, but I view it as freedom of speech. And for the president, the same applies to the NFL. Well, that's going to be up to them. As the league considers playing the unofficial Black National Anthem before every week one game. When you say the Black National Anthem, I know we're playing the National Anthem, and I think people should stand proudly for the National Anthem. At the White House, I'm Jesse Tenor. Okay, a lot to unpack there. This week, our affiliate in Terre Haute uh, also caught up with Senator Mike Braun after he withdrew his bill dealing with reforming the immunity process for officers after talking with police unions across the state. They made the point that this job is so darn hard already that we really don't think anything necessarily needs to be done um, if, in fact, it's going to make it even a more difficult job. And we also spoke this week with State Rep Robin Shackelford about the Indiana Black Legislative Caucus's recent meeting with the governor. He's meeting, still meeting with people, getting input. So we said we just want to be more involved and should be more involved on the front end uh, when he's coming up with these different programs and what he feels that his justice reform part is going to look like. So I, I wouldn't say it was a contentious meeting, but it was a more 
direct meeting and a more, this is how we feel and this is what we think needs to take place. This week, the governor and other leaders across the state reacting to that frightening situation in Monroe County that unfortunately put Indiana in the national spotlight when a black man named Vox Booker was pinned against a tree, leading to protests all week in Bloomington. And they say that uh, they're going to break my arms as one of them literally has my arm twisted behind me. One of them say to the other one, get a, get a noose. The brief video clip that I viewed with my own two eyes was beyond disturbing. I'm proud of the DNR, the way they've conducted themselves. They've done everything right by the book. The DNR under a lot of scrutiny, though, this week. We also spoke one-on-one -on -one with Bloomington Mayor John Hamilton. I was horrified to see videos of uh, one of my residents uh, being clearly assaulted uh, yeah, with uh, friends filming the kind of videos you, you hate to see, you never want to see. Um, I'm thankful that, that uh, Mr. Booker, uh, I've spoken with him, is, is, um, came out of that, at least uh, got, got, got away. Um, it is very distressing. Uh, we're a very progressive community. We work really hard to be welcoming and inclusive to all. Uh, but we know that our community and certainly our region and our country still uh, harbor a lot of uh, racist feelings and people who act on them. And it's, it's distressing, it's disturbing, it's uh, awful to see that happen to, um, to one of my residents. And I'm doing everything I can to support him and to... Uh, reach out to those. Uh, it, it happened not inside the city. It, it happened outside my jurisdiction, but I'm doing all that I can to reach out to the prosecutor and to the investigative authorities and to family members and representatives and others to, um, to let, let them know how much we support uh, uh, individuals uh, and also abhor what we saw on the video. It's sickening. Uh, it's heartbreaking. Uh, it's terrifying uh, even to watch, and I imagine, can't even imagine the experience of it, given, um, you know, the stories we've heard in the last few days and weeks. Um, it, is, it is very uh, alarming to feel that this kind of eruption of hatred and racial epithets happens just, just outside my community to a member of my community. Uh, and we want to do all we can to to call attention, remind people we are we have a lot of work to do on racism in this country and in this community. Uh, and we need to stand strong with our fellow brothers and sisters in our community to make sure everybody's safe. What would you like to see happen? What do you think needs to happen with this situation? Well, I reached out to the governor to make sure uh, he knows how seriously we take it and to, he oversees the Department of Natural Resources, which is an investigating agency to make sure that they do a thorough job uh, with all the resources that they need. I reached out to our prosecutor who is responsible for bringing any cases to, to be assured that she knows that if there's anything I can do to help, uh, that they take the appropriate steps to hold people accountable for this. and. You know, I just want to reach out to our community, to, to people who feel hurt and threatened by this, to, to let them know we care and we are anti-racist. We, we believe in, in the future of our community and our country as a welcoming place where everybody belongs. But it's, 
these are really painful times. It's a painful episode, uh, and I'm going to do all I can to remind most of us that most of us uh, have warm embraces for all of us, and we need to keep expanding that circle and, and holding each other close. Okay. Coming up next this Sunday in Focus, we'll talk more about the Republican Party's nomination of Todd Rokita for attorney general instead of Curtis Hill. What does it mean for this election year and beyond? We'll talk with our panel up next. All right, let's bring in our panel right now. Joining us today, Rima Shahid, Tony Samuel, Robin Winston, and Mike Murphy. Let's start with Rima with uh, Women for Change Indiana. Your reaction, first off, to this news, uh, the Republican Party essentially uh, ousting Attorney General Curtis Hill, choosing another candidate now, Todd Rokita, in the wake of these groping allegations he faced two years ago. Yeah, I think that it just shows that we have to listen to women. We have to listen to women and what they say and their experiences. Um, congratulations to former Congressman Rokita in securing that nomination. And I would urge his staff to learn how to spell um, his Democratic counterpart's candidate's name. <laughs> Some press that's releases. Really important. Yeah, he didn't he didn't have it spelled right. Uh, people weren't sure if he was doing that purposefully or not. Um, let's turn to Tony Samuel, 2016 vice chair for the Indiana Trump campaign. You were a supporter of the attorney generals. Your reaction to this news? Uh, well, my reaction, I'm disappointed. Um, I, he's a great uh, conservative, is a great conservative leader for Indiana. He had most of the conservative votes, uh, but Todd, Todd is also um, uh, considered a, a conservative and, and took some of those uh, votes as as the the, the balloting uh, into the second and third rounds. Uh, Curtis was ahead uh, by a decent margin in the first, and still ahead in the second ballot. So but, you don't think the process was fair? Well, it is what it is. Um, it, it wasn't the normal process because of uh, moving to a virtual convention and mail-in ballots, where you pick your first, second, and third choice rather than hearing speeches in person and being able to. You know, see folks close up and, and listen to others that uh, that after the first ballot and second ballot might uh, might convince delegates uh, to vote a certain way. So it wasn't, you know, it certainly wasn't a, a good way to do it. But that's the decision that state committee, that the Republican state okay. party made, and and that's uh, you know what we're going to live with, and uh, we'll move forward. Let's go now to former state party chair for the Indiana Democrats, Robin Winston. Robin, your your reaction. What does this mean for the race uh, for AG? Is it would it have been easier for Someone like Jonathan Weinzapple to face Curtis Hill instead of Todd Rokita? Um, I think people probably thought that. But look, Jonathan Weinzapple did a great job as mayor of Evansville. He himself had a battle to become our nominee, uh, winning over State Senator Karen Tallien by 48 votes. She subsequently has endorsed him. She's the honorary chair of his campaign. He will be an attorney general that stands up for the people of Indiana, stands up and fights for the Affordable Care Act. Also, he'll be an attorney general that is addressing what you talked about earlier and the need for comprehensive hate crime legislation in the state. So Jonathan will be a great candidate. What does this mean? We're always looking ahead, uh, potentially even four years from now, as we turn to former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy. Is Todd Rokita, if he's elected attorney general, someone you think will want to run for governor in 2024? Oh, I, I think that might be, but that's we're a long way from there, from that, uh, uh, Dan. I think the big winner today was the Republican Party. I'm so proud of the 1,700 delegates who chose to, to shove aside a predator candidate and go with a guy who is scandal-free and Todd Rakita. Uh, the governor is a big winner. He does not have to defend Curtis Hill, have Curtis Hill literally uh, on his shoulders for the rest of the election year. Uh, 
uh, Holcomb can run his race. He's going to win big. And I love Jonathan Weinsaub. He's a great guy, but he cannot beat the power of Eric Holcomb and Donald Trump in Indiana. He is the Weinsaub was the big loser today. And the Republican Party is the big winner. All right. So we have that political news. Obviously, there's a, a lot of uh, very serious news uh, this week in the state as well. I want to get your reaction. We had obviously the mask mandate now in effect in Indianapolis, this debate over coronavirus and our schools in the fall, and also this really troubling situation uh, in Bloomington this week as well. Uh, Rima, what else stood out to you this week in the news amidst everything that is happening here in our state? I think there's a lot going on, that's for sure. I am, um, as a mom and, and as, a, as a woman in the workforce, what really stands out to me is how we're going to carry on in our school systems. Um, really, I, I, I'm glad that the president and Congressman Banks are talking about working families. And you know what else works for working families rather than bullying them into starting schools early is to provide paid family leave, provide sick days, provide pregnancy accommodations and provide equal pay for equal work for women. We know that majority of our workforce that lost their jobs early on were held by women. So if we're really talking about working families as the president and congressman are, then let's talk about these things and let's get this legislation passed here in our state of Indiana. Uh, Tony, on that topic uh, of schools, uh, can parents feel comfortable sending their kids back to school if there's this notion out there that they're being forced into reopening? Well, I don't think anybody's forcing schools to reopen. The president's encouraging uh, schools to, to reopen, and it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to try as hard as you can to put in all, all of this uh, safety, precautionary measures uh, as much as possible, but to try to get open. And so what we're seeing is a lot of politic politicization uh, and, and, again, scare tactics. Let's, let's get past that. Let's all work together with school corporations, uh, need to work hand in hand with uh, the state leaders and, uh, and, and make the, the right decision. But they have to be trying to get open because it's healthier for students to be in school. We know that uh, it's better for parents and for the economy. We can't just shut down every chance uh, every, every, at every statistic that looks negative because there's a lot of statistics that are that are trending positively. And that's what we need to, to remember. Robin, your thoughts on all this and what we may see here in the weeks to come. I agree with Tony on the on not shutting down. This costs less than a bag of potato chips. Wear one. That's a, that's a big deal. I talked to Jeff Butts today, the superintendent in Wayne Township, 17,000 students. They're getting ready to open school again. We work with a lot of schools across the state. They're bracing for it. On the last issue, the, the thing in Bloomington, look, this has a big economic impact. If people do not feel comfortable going to Monroe, Lake Monroe, feel comfortable going to Turkey Run on a walk, feel comfortable being isolated because there may be some yahoos like we saw down there to yell to go get a rope. I mean, come on. At some point, I don't know what it takes for a prosecutor to look at that and not see that there's something wrong there. We've got to stop this stand. It's going to have an economic impact on this state. And Indiana has a storied history on racism. We don't need to rekindle it right now. Mike, uh, quite a week in the news here in our state. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we have not yet talked and probably don't have time to spend a lot of time talking about uh, President Trump's big loss before the Supreme Court uh, earlier in the week. I mean, the Supremes and his two appointees voted against him, by the way, said he's not special. He has to argue in a trial court just like anybody else. And there's no heightened sense of uh, urgency or privilege. The other thing I want to go back to the attorney general, as I understand, just a couple of minutes ago, was told 
that Curtis Hill is going to ask for a recount. Now, he lost by more than 70 votes. And in my opinion, that makes him a sore loser in addition to a predator. Where does with everything that's happening um, this year, Rima, everything that's happening in the news on a lot of weighty subjects, where does that put us as a country and as a state as we get ready to go to the polls here in, in November? I think that people, people's eyes are open. People are looking at what ICE is trying to do, take away funding for international and sending international students back. That has an economic impact, not only in our state, but in our country. I think people are plugged in. People are no longer accepting what what's going on in, in D.C. And, and the racism and this racist rhetoric that this president is running on. And I'm really hopeful that that by having people's eyes open, that that's going to transform people's votes. Uh, you spoke out this week about uh, the situation you referenced there in, in terms of international students. Tony, uh, the White House, uh, can they keep the president focused on a message that can win uh, in November with him trailing in the polls? Yeah, he's focused. He's laser focused on on uh, on, on uh, defeating the coronavirus uh, and on uh, building back our economy. But he, he tweeted a lot, a lot of different things, right, over the course of the past week. A he lot of different controversies. There's a lot side. of issues going on, and and he and he's not shy to 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 make uh, his uh, opinions known, and and that's good. That's why you know folks like me that voted for him, we voted for a bold leader that would take on these tough issues. What's important and what's most important, I think, right now in front of us is this attack on our society and our culture and our law enforcement. And he's standing firmly and strongly okay. for uh, law enforcement and to, and to keep this crazy defund the police movement from gaining any more traction. Got it. Got to leave it there. Tony, thank you so much. Tony, Rima, Mike, Robin, we appreciate your time this week. We'll be back right after this. Stick around. As always, more content on our website, more videos, interviews, and archived episodes of our podcast. Just go to cbs4indy.com slash infocus. We'll see you again next Sunday in focus.